Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Julius Baer's Moving Markets podcast. It's Friday, the 15th of December, and my name is Helen Freer. As we come to the end of a busy central bank week, on today's show, I'll be talking about all the latest market news with Roman Canciani. And Tim Gage is here as well, and I'll be asking him what the latest central bank decisions mean for currencies and metals. But first up is Roman. Good morning, Roman. Good morning, Helen. So it was Central Bank Decision Day yesterday after the Federal Reserve kept rates on hold on Wednesday, triggering a strong rally across asset classes because of its projection that rates will be cut next year. Um, Then we heard from the ECB, the Bank of England, the Swiss National Bank and the Norge Bank yesterday. Perhaps you could start by quickly wrapping up their decisions. Yes, sure. Of course. Uh, Well, even before the day started in Europe, we already had the Brazilian central bank uh, cutting its key rate by 50 basis points to 11.75 as expected. And market participants there uh, expect a series of rate cuts to have legs in 2024 as monetary policy in Brazil remains quite tight. In Europe, Nordsbank uh, kicked off the day by unexpectedly raising its key interest rate uh, to 4.5% and stating that it is likely to remain at this level for some time. The uh, Swiss National Bank, uh, meanwhile, left its key rate unchanged as expected, but dropped a reference to possible further hikes now that inflation is below its 2% ceiling. The uh, Bank of England also remained on hold and the interesting news there was the outcome of the vote not to change its policy rate. Namely, six members voted to hold and three voted to hike. So there is still a bias towards higher rates in the UK. And Andrew Bailey, the Bank of England governor, said there was still more to do to get inflation under control. And finally, the European Central Bank also decided to leave its key rate unchanged uh, for the second time in a row. However, the ECB will be speeding up the withdrawal of the pandemic-era stimulus, which means that all of the ECB's policy tools are now in tightening mode. Well, in summary, uh, this morning's uh, comments suggest that while the interest rate pivot in the US is now appears to be a done deal, European central banks are not yet ready to become more accommodative in their monetary policies. This has had an impact on currency markets, uh, with the US dollar weakening against most of its peers. But uh, we have Tim on, on the show for a closer look in a minute. Okay, great. Thanks for the summary. So what did markets in Europe make out of all of this? Well, as expected after Wednesday's Federal Reserve meeting, trading in Europe started with a bang. Europe's Stock 600 index jumped as much as 1.7% in early trading, with interest rate-sensitive property stocks and miners leading the gains. Shares in Germany and Europe's biggest stock market, France, hit new all-time highs, although this has to be put into perspective. I read yesterday that the market capitalization of US tech giant Apple alone is almost as high as that of the entire French stock market. But as the day progressed, however, the uh, the, the rally petered out somewhat with the Eurostock 600 closing up around 0.9%. The strongest market in Europe, Europe was London, where the FTSE 100 closed up 1.3%. The same uh, in terms of trading action was true on the fixed income side, uh, where yields dropped like a stone early in the day, but later calmed as it became clear that the European Central Bank was in no hurry to cut interest rates, even though its president, Christine Lagarde, said that the risks to the economic growth in Europe remain uh, tilted to the downside. 
and uh, maybe uh, in individual company news, a media and entertainment company Vivendi jumped almost 10% on rumors that it could be broken up. Right. And I saw there were some more um, economic data releases too in the US, right? Initial jobless claims for the last week and retail sales for November. Could you tell us a bit more there? Yes, uh, that's right. And both indicators came in stronger than expected, reinforcing the market's current narrative that a decline in inflation does not come at the cost of significantly weaker economic growth. Uh, initial jobless claims came in at 202,000 last week uh, for last week, while expectations were, more, uh, were closer to a number of 220,000. And uh, retail sales surprised to the upside in November, rising 0.3% month on month, although the previous month figures was revised down from minus 0.1% to minus 0.2. So the post-Fed rally in US equities eased, but continued. And the S&P 500 index ended the day up 0.3%, with energy, real estate and materials outperforming, and consumer staples and utilities detracting. The uh, tech-heavy Nasdaq closed slightly in the red, down 0.1%, but the small and mid-cap focused Russell 2K was up 2.7%. So overall market sentiment was very positive. In fixed income, U.S. Treasury yields are lower this morning again compared to yesterday, with 10-year yields at 394, so below the technically important resistance level at 402. And two-year Treasury yields are at 443 in Asian trading. Okay, um, and what about trading action in Asia overnight then? Well, yes, the picture in Asia this morning is pretty positive. Asian equities are broadly higher, with Hong Kong stocks leading the way, up around 2% when I last checked. This comes at the back of stronger than expected industrial production figures for November in China, and news that the People's Bank of China has injected more than 100 billion US dollars into the financial system. And what's on the cards for investors today then? Well, actually, we already had some data this morning uh, for the UK there. Consumer confidence rose in December to its highest level since January 2022, and the increased optimism among respondents was quite widespread, including in terms of their financial situation, the economic outlook and planned major purchases. Uh, in terms of other economic data in Europe, there's not too much going on, uh, apart from French inflation figures and the Italian trade balance. And uh, this afternoon, we'll have a fresh batch of economic data from the US, including leading indicators such as the Empire Manufacturing Index and the PMI estimates for December. Finally, US stock futures are up again this morning, so there is hope that the stock market rally can continue into the weekend. That's it from me. Thank you. Great. Thanks very much, Roman, for the comprehensive roundup this morning. Thank you very much, Helen. Now, Tim, good morning and welcome to the show this morning. Good morning, Helen. So it's been a busy central bank week, as we've heard, um, but these meetings are mostly out of the way now. So how's the world of FX looking this morning? Yeah, so um, last week I said that uh, I suspected that each central bank might be rather inclined to push back against what the market is expecting of them. Not because I'm some sort of uh, clairvoyant, but just because I have noticed over the years that central banks, they just hate being told what to do. And that is basically what happened. There was some talk last week of a more hawkish Fed. Anyone I spoke to who considers themselves to be a bit in the know, have a bit of an inside track, was definitely on the hawkish side. And sure enough, they were rather more dovish. Actually, quite a clear shift. Meanwhile, received wisdom was that the ECB will be the first to cut rates and therefore the most dovish this week. And sure enough, 
Lagarde poured cold water all over that idea. Lagarde, despite clearly still suffering from a pretty nasty bout of COVID, was actually very clear indeed. Maybe she should try to fall ill before every press conference because she was unusually effective in her communication. So, of course, on the back of a weaker dollar already post-Powell, we confirmed this move and Eurodollar went all the way up to touching 110 yesterday, more or less where it is now and where it may well sit for a little while. It already feels like everyone went back to sleep this morning. I think the only real surprises we heard, or at least there was a little bit of doubt around it, was with the Norgas Bank, who decided to hike rates by 25 basis points, where the market probably had been at about 50-50 on that one. Norwegian Krona strengthened by about 3% and has held on to its gains so far. That's a currency at a very weak level, so there could be a larger move to come here. And both central banks of your favourite pair, pound sterling against Swiss francs, also announced rate decisions yesterday. So how are things looking there? Yeah, much better after than before, to say the least. There was evidently some suspicion of a more hawkish Swiss national bank for reasons that are completely beyond me. And the Swiss franc had seen some decent demand. Sterling Swiss was actually trading quite a bit below my line in the sand of 110. But like Dawn Penn, the SNB said no, no, no to the market's expectations and managed to delicately adjust their language just enough to show the market that they were not going to be late to the easing party when it starts, even if they had been late to the tightening party before. This took Sterling Swiss and indeed Euro Swiss to a much more sensible level. And once the Bank of England came out 6-3 in favour of holding rates with the three voting for a hike, it was clear that selling Sterling Swiss in the teeth of a 4% carry had not been a wise move. And this morning we find ourselves back to a much healthier level of about 110.70. I still think this is a buy on dips cross any time we get close to 110. And do you have any word on metals? I see there were also a few moves there yesterday. Yeah, gold had its jump with the Fed really as US rates dropped. So gold rose to 2025 and is now trading around 2035 again. Yesterday, we took a quick look at 2050 as there was a bit of noise around the ECB, etc. But I'm still really sceptical about an explosive move higher. With equities printing new highs, I just can't believe gold at such elevated levels is something investors will continue to buy or even hold. And I still think we have seen the highs when we had that mega jump last Monday. I would still look to take profits. As usual, I will suggest a reverse convertible or a decumulator, creating a buffer and potentially some yield. But taking some gains on gold exposure directly might even make sense where we are now. Platinum also finally found some demand. And for once, has held on to these gains. We broke above and closed above the 200-day moving average yesterday, which is about 960. And this 960 level is now pretty key. If we can manage to finish the week higher than that, then I think platinum might try to find a new base. I always like to be long this metal or have a reverse convertible or similar running each time we have a dip. I still think we should go back above 1,000 and it remains my preferred metal. And what do you expect over the next couple of weeks then? Anything we should be doing or not doing even? In theory, it should be fairly quiet, really. There are still some bits and pieces of data to come, of course. We have Eurozone and UK PMIs, for example, today. But I think overall, unless we have a big shock on one of these pieces of data, that is unlikely to be the thing that moves the market. More likely is the usual end of year, low liquidity, unexpected news or unexpected flows. It is always wise to be quite light on your feet in terms of positioning over the Christmas and New Year period, because you just never know what can rear its ugly head without any warning. Like a forgotten mince pie in an oven, the market can catch fire and burn your fingers. That is a terrible analogy, but there we are. I think you can hopefully see what I'm getting at 
caution is a good idea, or maybe oven gloves. We also do have the Bank of Japan next week. Dollar yen back at 142. It's tempting to think there has been some strong yen demand, but in reality, euro yen, for example, is pretty much where it's been all week. Sterling yen, same story, really. I'm not sure there is huge demand for the yen right here. As usual, the market seems to be trying to convince itself that the Bank of Japan is going to tighten. I'm not so sure. It's all quite unclear. And I'll be very careful indeed with the end positions, as usual. I think the potential for disappointment and having to send your kids' gifts back to Amazon is high. I think that's all from me for today. Thank you, Helen, for the chat. Thank you to our listeners as always. And I wish everyone an excellent weekend. Very good. Thanks a lot, Tim, for the update this morning. So that is all for today. Thank you again to today's guests and thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show and you haven't yet subscribed, then don't forget to do so. And please also leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. And to join us again next week, I'll be back on Monday talking to more of our colleagues about what is moving markets. So have a great day, everyone, and then a great weekend. Bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.